Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. In a smooth transition, so unlike the chaotic political scene here in Jerusalem, General Helzia Levi took over the Chief of General Staff position from his fellow paratrooper Aviv Kochavi. All speakers in successive ceremonies in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv mentioned the Iranian threat as a top priority, but also mentioned what should be obvious, but in, is not here in Israel 2023, the principle of unity of command, cabinet to defense minister, and then to chief of general staff. What does it all portend for Israel's military under Halevi's stewardship? To analyze it, we're joined from central Israel by Colonel in Reserve, Ruben Ben Shalom, who is a TV7 powers and play panelist, cross-cultural strategist, and associate at the ICT at Reichman University. Thank you for joining us, Colonel. Thank you. Also joining us here in the studio are... Um, Professor Efraim Bau is the president of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Uh, as well as uh, retired Colonel Dr. Ron Lerman, who is a co-host of TV7 Middle East Review, Powers and Play panelist, uh, the vice president of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security, and the editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Strategic Tribune. Thank you for joining us as well. And Mr. Amir Oren, our TV7 editor-at-large and host of Powers and Play uh, and Watchmen Talk and so much more. Uh, thank you for joining us as well. Amir, give us also a prelude to the current uh, state of play. Uh, Herzia Levi is a, a brilliant uh, general, uh, quite capable, gone through multiple stages in uh, uh, the Israel Defense Forces, has assumed the roles from Special Operations Units Command to uh, various uh, uh, challenging positions within military intelligence, uh, including uh, the chief of military intelligence, among others. Uh, to what degree are the challenges that are up ahead for the state of Israel, which is so reliant on a good functioning IDF, um, is he up to the task? Well, he probably is. Uh, and even though uh, senior officers are not selected by popular demand, he seems um, to have been the consensus candidate. Now, it is true that during the election campaign, uh, then opposition leader uh, Benjamin Netanyahu protested the fact that the outgoing government uh, nominated uh, General Halevi and uh, pushed through uh, his appointment. But this did not um, uh, come out of any personal objection to Halevi. Um, in fact, at one time, Netanyahu wanted uh, then Brigadier General Halevi to serve as his military secretary. And Halevi's family uh, is known to be uh, leaning Likud. Doesn't mean that Halevi himself any, has any uh, distinct particular and uh, political views. But um, now that he is uh, in office and Netanyahu is the prime minister, they will uh, obviously uh, fully cooperate. Now, it is traditional uh, in uh, such ceremonies to tick off the threats and challenges facing uh, the country and uh, its military. 
What has not been traditional is what you alluded to, the fact that because of the um, strange um, coalition agreements, which gave other ministers um, some uh, territorial demand within the Ministry of Defense, um, it has been um, necessary to reestablish the unity of command and the fact, which was enshrined in law some uh, 45 uh, years ago, that the chief of staff is the uh, senior military officer, no other general, uh, not the Air Force chiefs or the military intelligence uh, director or anyone else, uh, answers to the government, only the chief of staff. And he is subject to the guidance of the defense ministry who gets his own directive from the cabinet. The prime minister is absent from this construct. So um, we will have, to, of course, to see. Even though the prime minister usually heads the security cabinet for that matter. He had, yes, but uh, in the security cabinet, decisions uh, are uh, uh, going uh, to uh, be accepted by vote. Right. Uh, and uh, the prime minister doesn't have an extra vote <clears throat> in throat> the security cabinet. Of course, he carries the day or he can uh, <laughs> even decide not to bring um, a topic to, to a vote. Nevertheless, uh, because uh, the various politicians have their own agendas and um, other people might want to show very um, fast achievements uh, should there be early elections, um, it might be a new battleground uh, or at least uh, a tug of war within the defense establishment and uh, General Halevi will have his work cut out for him. All of uh, the people currently watching us uh, right now, if they follow Jerusalem Studio, they probably also follow TV7 Israel News, and hence uh, they are familiar with the various statements that were made with regard to the appointment of uh, General Helzia Levi and the transition, of course, from General Aviv Kochavi, who has been plenty on the screens uh, uh, here in uh, our channel. And uh, therefore, I'd, I'd like to ask uh, initially Colonel Ben Shalom, uh, who is familiar with both uh, individuals, also uh, uh, from his service and elsewhere. Um, to what degree is the current transition uh, a sense of continuity since both are uh, paratroopers, one from uh, the Nachal uh, Mutznach, the other one from uh, uh, the paratroopers proper? Uh, nevertheless, they have been also in a quite a unique relationship of a, a chief and deputy chief of general staff. Well, you know, a very interesting characteristic of the Israeli leadership in the military is that our transitions are always smooth. And, you know, one of our previous chiefs of general staff, uh, Shaul Mofaz, he tells the story of how when he came into office, you know, there was all the opposition was gone. It's a unique cultural characteristic that we have, very positive one, that as soon as there's a new chief, Everyone aligns, everyone is subordinate, everyone supports, as if there was never and ever any opposition, even though we know there are rivals, we sometimes call it the wars of the generals. Now, as far as how similar and different they are, they are different people. The fact that they're both paratroopers, to me, doesn't signify a lot, because even if it was an Air Force or a Navy, we did not have a Navy commander yet, still the IDF is a big machine. The agendas are the same agendas, our strategic objectives are the same, the threats are the same. 
ultimately, the, the, the concepts of, of a certain commander don't shift this whole ship to a 30 degree uh, uh, different course. So again, they're not the same, different, different people, different challenges. Aviv Kochabi, for instance, came in in a storm and said, we are going to rethink everything. He started a whole plan of how to rethink the, what he called the victory strategy. I believe Herzi Alevi will be a bit different. He'll come in and he'll say, okay, we have these vectors. We'll continue to stabilize the situation. We have our work cut out for us. So the, again, different people, different uh, characters. But in general, this ship is sailing in the same course. Dr. Lehmann, uh, you've served in the military for many, many years, and I'd like to take your view on this as well. Uh, what are the key challenges that uh, a chief of general staff taking office uh, will have to deal with at such a challenging time? Well, uh, first of all, it's notable that the last two uh, chiefs of staff and some of their predecessors, not all, have served before that as directors of military intelligence. They came from the fighting forces, but that position becomes to some extent uh, either this or a, a period close to the decision makers, like Buddy Eisenkopf served as uh, ADC to the prime minister, uh, having a much broader view of a changing world, of a changing regional environment, which is very challenging, the uh, serving as the director of, of military intelligence means that your eyes const are constantly roving, not only uh, uh, on, on our immediate borders, but way beyond. And cent central to all of this, looking uh, down uh, 2023, which may turn out to be a year of decision, is the question of whether or not Israel can actually stop Iran in its tracks, or at least pose a credible military threat that the rest of the world will have to take into account when making their decisions on how to deal with the Iranian nuclear challenge. Because Iran is fast uh, approaching the point in which they will have enough fissile material for a bomb. Not necessarily a bomb, there's still a leap to make in that direction, but enough fissile material so that um, they could hardly be stopped down the road if they are not stopped now. Indeed. And this is going to be central to the capacity of the IDF uh, looking down the road. Now, uh, theoretically, this is an Air Force matter. But because the Iranians have proxies on our border, above all Hezbollah, to some extent also Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which could draw Hamas into the war. Hamas is not an Iranian proxy. They work with the Iranians, not for the Iranians. But the Iranians have enough fully owned proxies on our border to draw us, in the case of conflict, into a land war as well. And so the reform of the land maneuvering capacity which was a debatable proposition uh, during the uh, tenure of General uh, Kochavi, will be uh, uppermost on, uh, on Halevi's uh, palette. Um, our institution is having actually uh, Tomorrow. A, well, uh, a, a conference on this question. And uh, the question of the preparedness of the reserve forces Historically, the backbone of Israel's maneuvering forces has been the reserves. Are they ready? And what will the new incoming chief of staff have to do to make them ready is going to be one of the most important questions 
it is not contradictory, it's complementary to the challenge of Iran. Well, in brief terms, every general will always say, the more you train, the better you are. Ultimately, the question is, will Halevi be able to secure enough funding for various trainings in uh, uh, the four years alluded to him? We will touch on base on that uh, momentarily. Professor Inbar, I'd like to hear your perspective. How does the Arab world, Israel's newly acquired uh, friends, and also those with which we do not have uh, normalization or peace treaties with uh, in our region, are they regarding this new transition as a positive milestone within the context of the various challenges that those same countries uh, regard Iran, obviously, as, as uh, their chief uh, challenge as well? I think that uh, our neighbors uh, follow very attentively what is happening here. On one hand, uh, our foes are happy with uh, mm. uh, havoc concerning the uh, legal reform. They see that Israel is becoming weaker in in their eyes, uh, but uh, the discourse surrounding the new chief of staff is, as mentioned, concentrated on Iran. And this is something uh, they obviously like, uh, particularly the Abraham Accord uh, countries, because they see Iran as their enemy, as their chief enemy, just like us. And uh, they hope that uh, we'll do something about it. Uh, I think they uh, have given up on the United States, and their only hope is that Israel will do something uh, about it. So uh, they are, uh, have great hopes for a very activist chief of staff in Israel. Indeed. Well, of course, uh, uh, at least one of those uh, Abraham Accords will uh, uh, find pride in the fact that uh, both uh, the parents of Alevi came from Casablanca. So ultimately, uh, a Moroccan representative as the chief of the Israeli military is uh, quite substantive. But uh, Mr. Oren, obviously... I think it's his wife's uh, mother. But in any event, his we'll, family... We'll check that. His family uh, has, has Moroccan the, roots. I'd like to hear your take on, on the fact that, you know, CENTCOM, the second chief of general staff to be part of CENTCOM for that matter. Um, we saw uh, General Kurilla, uh, the head of CENTCOM, come here uh, to Israel to meet with Alevi, also to meet, of course, with uh, the defense ministry of Galant. Uh, positive discussions uh, were held here in uh, uh, Tel Aviv. And, and ultimately, when we see also the bigger picture, um, it, it seems like Suncom is quite happy with uh, uh, General Halevi and, and his ability to maneuver within the context, of course, of the Suncom umbrella. It's um, very rare that uh, such changes in military command uh, anywhere on Earth uh, focus so much interest. Uh, even the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs in the United States is hardly known to uh, his own uh, citizens. And uh, here, of course, uh, CENTCOM uh, welcomed Israel uh, as a new partner. General Kurilla, who took over from General Frank McKenzie, has been in office only nine months, and this is already his fifth visit. Uh, visit. Um, and uh, the main point here was not to get to know uh, General Halevi, 
Obviously, they met before, but uh, in order to show their uh, respect and admiration for General Kohavi, uh, and um, Israel uh, has such intimate relations with the American military, more than with some American uh, political echelons uh, throughout uh, the years, that uh, they are on the same page. Now, I'm not sure that what uh, Professor Inbar said uh, will be acceptable to all of the Gulf countries because they may be getting the brunt of the Iranian reaction if Israel attacks. And they uh, do not have the same air defense systems um, or shelters for their uh, populations. So if they believe that Israel can, in one fell swoop, get rid of um, all of Iran's offensive power, not only the uh, nuclear infrastructure, fine. But if they think that what happened to Aramco a few years ago in Saudi Arabia uh, could befall them, then they will not prod Israel to do it. I think that may, however, be accommodated with uh, more frequent uh, overflights by B-52s and, and uh, uh, indicating to the Iranians that multiple targets can be struck at the same time, uh, even within the context of over the horizon. Israel doesn't have B-52s. Well, Israel doesn't need B-52s when its uh, best friends uh, do. Uh, but let's bring uh, uh, the only pilot here into the conversation. Uh, Colonel, uh, uh, when we're talking about the various um, tasks up ahead, what, what would you find as the key ingredient for the success of the upcoming four years? I think um, the main preparedness that the IDF should have now is for this future all-out war that we are bound to have to look as if our main focus will be an airstrike on Iran, I think is a big mistake. Even if the first salvo in this war is, is fighter jets. And by the way, in this day and age, with the technologies online now, seeing it just as fighter jets flying to the targets, of course, is a mistake. But even if that is the opening salvo, of course, we're going to see an all-out campaign. So it very well may be that we will be challenged with everything we've been preparing for for decades, which is an all-out war using all the services together. A lot of work in the last few years about jointness or inter-service uh, cooperation. Um, multiple fronts was always a sensitive issue in, in Israel. Fighting on one front is a challenge, but fighting two fronts is more a challenge. What we call the depth or third tier. That means multi-spectral uh, um, confrontation, which will be very challenging. And I think the IDF is preparing for that challenge. So when the next or the, the, the new chief of general staff comes in, I think that's what he's doing. He's looking broad. He cannot look at one main focus. It's not Lebanon. It's not the Palestinians and the, the Palestinian arena. It's how do I deal with something that will erupt? It will happen all of a sudden. No one will be prepared. It could be a miscalculation, not necessarily Iran triggering it because it is their interest, but some kind of miscalculation on the border that one thing leads to another and we find ourselves in that all-out campaign. And certainly on a day-to-day -day basis, his main concern is preparedness. It's the stockpiles, it's the reservists and their training, it's the equipment, it's the technology and merging all of this together. 
indeed. Uh, well, I stand corrected, by the way, regarding the background of uh, uh, General Halevi, his uh, mother, 14 generations in Jerusalem, and right. his father uh, originally from Russia, um, or at least his grandparents. Um, but let's ask you, um, uh, Dr. Lehmann, when we're, we're looking at uh, one of the key ingredients for the idea of success, it is the cooperation with the other branches of Israel's security establishment, including the National <laughs> Security uh, Council, which you were uh, the deputy of uh, during your service there, as well as uh, obviously the various intelligence branches, uh, Shabak, Mossad, and, and other uh, organizations. To what degree do you see uh, these organizations after working so closely uh, with General Kuchavi, uh seeing uh, General Halevi as a suitable successor, considering the fact that he was his deputy also? Well, I think that right now, um, there's a, the level of co- cooperation, coordination, like-minded approach between the key services. And here, talking about Iran, it's first and foremost the Mossad uh, with its own capabilities of uh, acting and, and providing solutions uh, short of war to some of the Iranian challenges which lie ahead, and very close coordination uh, of intelligence for operations, the level of precision of operations in Syria against Iranian targets, for example, is almost incredible compared to where where we had been not that long ago. That requires very close coordination between all Israeli, relevant Israeli agencies. I think between Dedi Barnea uh, and Ronan Barr, at the Shin Bet, and the IDF high commander is now uh, basically no daylight. They, they work smoothly together. The days which I still remember of tensions and, and gaps in information flowing from one service to the other are long gone. So the, the rivalry turned into a healthy rivalry. Well, it's a competition for excellence rather than a rivalry. Very good. Well, uh, just for the sake of our viewers, Dedi Barnea, David Barnea, head of the Mossad, Ronan uh, Bar, the head of the ISA, as you mentioned, uh, Professor Inbar, obviously the relationship with the United States is, is key uh, when we're talking about the success of the IDF, the cooperation. Uh, as we also heard, IDF uh, Chief of General Staff, Lieutenant General uh, Aviv Kochavi, in his uh, farewell speech, highlight the key uh, cooperation with the U.S. military at large and Central Command uh, in particular. Uh, to what degree uh, do you see a, a deepening of, of cooperation uh, within a, a reality where the United States is obviously backing Europe to deal with the Russian issue currently in Ukraine and also uh, preparing uh, and, and redirecting its, its various uh, investments? into uh, the, the pivot eastwards to deal, of course, with the strategic competition in China in particular. Uh, do you see this uh, um, backing of Israel become more of a um, coordinated concept, if you will? Obviously, Israel's uh, capabilities are an asset for the Americans, and they understand very well that we are probably the only a country in, uh, in this area that is ready to use force uh, in coordination with the Americans. Uh, all the other countries will be uh, shying away from such cooperation for many reasons, domestic and uh, foreign. Uh, having said that, the military 
is subordinated to the political echelon. So the depths of our coordination uh, might have limits, uh, which are, uh, you know, dictated by the political echelon. And if there will be tension between uh, the Israeli government and the American administration, we may see uh, cooling some of those relations, uh, cooling the relations between agencies, not between personalities. I think the personalities in the military establishment uh, are fully convinced that uh, Israel are, are the good guys and we have to cooperate with them. We have something to learn from them. Uh, but uh, there can be uh, limits to this cooperation because uh, of political tensions. If we take the Obama administration and the Netanyahu government at the time as a case study, uh, the Obama administration, despite having a very bad relationship with uh, the prime minister, um, advanced a, a very generous memorandum of understanding. Of course, there are interests of the United States to advance that by themselves as well. But uh, beyond that, also, um, backing and support was unprecedented at its level at the time. So. How can you note that and then taking that as a case study, having that obviously contradict? For two reasons. First of all, as uh, uh, Iranian nuclear program is accelerating, uh, the differences on how to approach this issue may grow. Uh, and second is a Palestinian issue. Uh, I think this administration in particular sees uh, things very different from how the current Israeli government uh, sees the situation with the Palestinians. We've seen already the Israeli government cutting some of uh, the funds that uh, uh, have to be transferred to the Palestinians. The Americans don't like it. Uh, and uh, it is, uh, no, nothing is in our pocket forever. We should be aware that can, they can be changes. And America, is tilting to the woke culture. So we don't know where America is going and we have to be very careful in our relations with the United States. Well, um, 2024 will be decisive. Closing statement, Mr. Owen. For Netanyahu, Iran is top priority. But for Netanyahu's coalition partners, the West Bank, Judea and Samaria, settlements, this is their top priority. And Netanyahu wouldn't like to get into conflict with Biden who already announced that values and not only interests will dictate his policy vis-a-vis -vis Israel, and therefore Netanyahu will have to uh, impose his will on his partners if he doesn't want to get in trouble with Washington. Well, this is all the time that we have for today. I'd like to thank uh, Colonel Ben Shalom, Professor Inbar, Dr. Lerman, and Mr. Owen for being part of today's program. I'd like to thank all of you at home as well. We'll see you again for TV7 Jerusalem Studio next time. Until then, Shalom. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.